I didn't know you were a uh, beatboxer. I could be if I, I could be if I wanted to, right? No. I could. I could. You know, you know who was a elite beatboxer? Who? Justin Timberlake. Well, I mean, like he's he's, a, he's so undervalued. But he's a professional. Well, yes, well, of course, but like he's an artist. It's like it's his job. <laughs> I mean, he's a pop artist. He isn't a uh, he isn't hey, a rapper. I mean, Look, a lot of rappers can't beatbox, but Justin but Timberlake can. Of, but a lot of rappers also can't rap. I mean, like, uh, I'm talking, uh, oh. like, modern-day, like, mumble rap. That, that, I was going to say a bad word. Oh, oh crap. No, no, no. no. <laughs> that, but, like, all right. Like, Justin Timberlake, as a pop artist, not even as, granted, he's a multifaceted, can do just about anything sort of artist, but. Yeah, he's an um, actor, I, artist. W- what's the song I'm thinking of? I think it's, uh. I'm bringing instruction back. No, no, no. It's, I think it's Rock Your Body, that, that, he, that he goes into a. Uh, Rock Your Body. A whole, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got your mini Yeah, hold on, give me a minute. Let me see. Uh, it's like, I think where the, is it? Hold on, try to find it. I think it's right here. Hold on. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let it, let it, let it hear. This isn't beatbox. Man. This isn't. Ah. 
Let's listen. Dang. He's got a little queen vibe to him. Like, don't, don't, don't. Kind of, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, no, like, like Good that's dawn. That, dawn. that's fire. That's definitely. I might be a sample. Fun fact: When I was in um, when I was in high school, uh, I used to um, listen to that song, and occasionally my so my little brother played in a uh, a a little league thing, and that I used to play that as like his walk up song when he when he'd like go in bed. It was literally like T ball. Well, no, he was he wasn't that young, but yeah, no, Rock Your Body, but by Justin Timberlake. That was also my walk up song when. I, why I played uh, middle school middle school baseball. You had walk up songs in middle school, bro. In a travel league baseball team, yeah, we used to <laughs> we used to screw around and bring That's a speaker. Sad. We used to bring a speaker to the game, just just kind of have fun. Look, dude, we do it. In, we, we literally play intramural softball and do walk up songs. Yeah, but that's because it's intramural softball. In middle school, you're still like trying hard to like earn a spot on varsity next Dude, year. First of all, it was middle school, so the, the high school game was totally different. Plus, I went to a private school, so it wasn't even like I wasn't. You went to wait. To, you how how long did you go to private school for? Nine through twelve. So you didn't. So you didn't do private middle school. I did, but it wasn't affiliated to the high school. It was, so it, so it was you did. So you did private school six through twelve. Is what you mean? Yes, but like I went to a private middle school six through eight, and then I went to a high school that I had to apply to get into. I got into, and I attended in ninth grade, so I wasn't trying out in middle school to play high school baseball. Plus, I wasn't even good enough, anyways. Oh, uh, did you play in high school? No, you didn't play in high school. No, I, I played uh, football and I ran track for a little bit, but but uh, yeah. I, fun fact: we found Steve's <laughs> uh, Steve's times on athletic.net. <laughs> What did you say you ran for a fifty-five? It wasn't. All right, this so your one your one time in athletic.net. All right, so I had an unofficial time in, uh, in high school that the coach logged me in at like a six-eight to, to a seven, okay. which is absolutely inaccurate considering I, I ran like a seven-six or seven-eight in the one heat that I ever ran. But in high school, I peaked out my sophomore year. My fastest forty-yard dash time in football was a four-nine. When I was a, when I was a senior, it was a I think a five two five three. That was also that was that was also after a, a knee surgery. So I kind of okay, lost a little bit. Okay, but we're talking about track, not yeah. about football combine. Okay, <laughs> listen, people don't understand that the football, the NFL combine, is just a glorified track meet. Yeah, it, it, it's terrible. I mean, like, don't get me wrong; like, it's entertaining. And for someone who appreciates the athleticism that goes into track, yeah, I have it right here. The twenty fifteen <laughs> indoor track season. Shamade? Shamanade. Shamanade High School. It, it, it was at St. Anthony's. I remember, I remember this vividly. It was like Steve, a. Steve DeVito ran a. Well, well then DeVito, now McAvoy, but yeah. Yes, then it was DeVito. Uh, ran an 8.36. It was not an 8.36. Get out of here. Dude, it says it, it right not, here. I could have swore it said a 7.8 or a low check. great. Nope. It's an oh, 8.36. I also ran 1.55 in my career, so let me look myself up. Wow, that was actually terrible. I'm, I'm actually Jack surprised Maine, how bad it was. So, so, so actually, fun fact, I think hopefully he's listening in. Uh, that heat that I ran was with a friend of mine, Sean, uh, and he beat me by, by a little bit. Uh, I have a video. I, I remember okay, it. Wait, I have a lot of times in athletic. Okay. I ran a, a 7.9455, which was my PR in the 55. So I'm not very far off. No. And, you know, for a guy like, you know, that, that's... That's your size to, for a guy to, who's 260 pounds to be able to run a you know sub nine minute sub nine second excuse me 55? and you were very you were very skinny to in high school but listen I was you, you I were was a long distance not, guy I wasn't I was I yeah. was a distance guy 
Uh, I wasn't until my senior year that I really transitioned to sprinting. Okay. Like, f- I fully committed to sprinting. And it partly was because I stopped playing baseball after junior year. Yeah, we've heard the story. And so, yeah, I don't want to give you all the sob, but, like, the well, matter of the fact is, is um, I was I was more uh, a 400 to 800 guy, not okay. a 55 guy. I could not accelerate quickly. Though my coach, my baseball coach, did say that he was I was the fastest guy he'd ever seen play baseball. Okay, interesting. Which was bizarre because my best friend, Ryan Sargent, was, like, he was light years faster than me at accelerating. Now, baseball is all about your acceleration yeah, and then your ability to cut corners. Well, yeah, because you literally start out the gate, like, let's say, uh, running from uh, from the plate to first. You're literally in a dead in a dead motion and need to basically build momentum all the way to all the way to the bag, which is which is so impressive to me. How players like, I mean, Billy Hamilton hasn't had a great career, but how he's managed to, like, like he could tag up from third to home. Yeah, going from zero zero to sixty in I can't even tell you how, how fast, but he he can mow down guys and just run like the wind mm-hmm. from on literally a ball maybe I don't know ten feet uh, off the infield off the infield dirt like well, it's ridiculous. We have well the, the 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 guy that's been most impressive to me in terms of his ability to just be all around a great player in baseball, not named Mike Trout, is Ronald Acuna. Yeah, we saw Ronald Acuna beat out a routine ground ball to shortstop. Wild, and he beat it by who, well, a lot. Who was the fielder? Did he, play? Gregorius, th- who's a great defender in his own right. Did he double clutch the, that throw? He I think he might have one time. He All pumped right. one time, but then he fired a seed, and it was a root. It was routine. Ninety nine point nine percent of guys get thrown out. The only guys in that situation that don't get thrown out are Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, and like Tim LaCastro. Tim only LeCastro. guys that don't get thrown out in that situation. No. Yeah, Tim LeCastro is the fastest guy in baseball. It's not even close. He's like he is ninety. He's in the ninety ninth percentile in sprint speed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I would argue like Miles Straw. No. Miles Straw. Tim Jared Dyson for a while. The fat. The two fastest players in baseball are Tim LeCastro and Ronald Acuna Jr. Like, uh, well, yeah. Like well, uh, via, via baseball savant, baseball stat cast. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Ronald Acuna has shocked me because I knew he was going to be good, but I didn't expect him to be this ridiculous five-tool athlete. I thought he'd be kind of the poor man's Mookie Betts, the poor man's Mike Trout. I thought, I, I thought, well, I think he, I think in the long run he'll be better than Mookie Betts. I, I would argue he might be better than Mike Trout, solely on the fact that he a steals more bases. And B, he's in a better lineup, so the stats are going to help. Tim LaCastro, by the way, having a great season so far. What's he got? I mean, for a guy that's known for... By the way, he is the fastest player in baseball, confirm me. 100th percentile, that means he's number one. Jeez. Okay. Um, I had no idea. Wild. He's got 14 hits and 52 ABs, one home run, two RBIs, three stolen bags. That's a 269 average, and he's slugging three, 327. So, like, obviously, he's not putting up power numbers, but for a guy that's really just designed to, you know... Take you know, run out anything that's hit on the ground. Also in a horrible lineup. Yeah, within the Arizona system, which is impressive. I'm yeah. I'm giving him like a dang. That's a that might be a give uh, me a, give me Tim LaCastro right now, man. If I need a fantasy fantasy baseball pickup, that might actually be be the guy because I'm I'm crapping the bed right now. Five My seasons, four career home runs, man. I don't <laughs> care. Sprint speed, one hundredth percentile. That's why he has a job in Major League Baseball. Well, yeah, yeah. That's why Jared Dyson at. 
had a job for all but those Gerard years. But Dyson could hit, though. No, he can't. Yes, he can. Gerard Dyson ha- had as many home runs as Juan Pierre. Actually, no, Juan Pierre had like one home run. <laughs> Gerard, well, Gerard Dyson had consistency. Gerard Dyson was a, was a slap ground ball hitter. Okay, there's no such thing as a slap hitter in baseball. This is not softball. Uh, Ichiro was. Ichiro's not a slap hitter, though. Essentially, like, it, essentially it's, it's, he was. The, the way he used to play in the, in the mid-2000s with the Mariners, he would literally slap it all the time. That's why he that that's mm. why he was he was so talented at, at picking up uh, infield hits because the man already had pace out out of the box. Yeah, well, that's because he ran out of the box. Okay, he might be the that, one exception. That's but what I mean. There might he might be the one exception. And by the way, you're right. Gerard Dyson has got very similar comparisons to uh, guys like Ender and Ciarte, uh Cesar Hernandez, Miguel Rojas, and the oh. aforementioned Tim Castro. Yeah. So, uh, good 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 comparison. Good comparison. Got we got off the we got off the so these are guys that run track but play baseball. This is <laughs> these are my kind of guys. Oh yeah. These are my kind of guys. You know, it's a shame as the aforementioned Billy Hamilton hasn't panned out in baseball. Yeah. Like with a guy with that much raw speed, it's almost sad to know that like if you can't get on base, obviously your job becomes almost obsolete. Yeah. And what a pinch runner is only going to come in once. He's not going to actually uh, bat around, so it's kind of it's it, it's tough for a player le- like him to actually get re- gain relevancy. His defense also isn't terrific, but yeah, guys who, who ran track and play baseball. You know, a lot of baseball players are well, actually, a lot of quarterbacks uh, in the NFL also played played baseball in college. Yeah, Tom, the, well, Tom Brady didn't actually, but they never ran track. Which I, which I find interesting. I feel like now with now in the mobile age of quarterbacks, these, you, you run track. They should run track, but they don't. They they play baseball and uh, and don't play anything in the winter. So like who, who like right now is there a quarterback that played high school baseball, college baseball? Pat Mahomes is the only guy that really. James Winston. James Winston played college he, baseball. He was a pitcher and played center field at Florida State. Get the hell out of here! Yeah. Oh, Kyler Murray, of course, was drafted in the first round of both leagues. Well, Russell Wilson did. Yup. You know what? Let's uh. Let's should Google we do it. a quick? Should we do a quick Google search? Yes, quarterbacks, quarterbacks who, who also played baseball. Well, Tom Brady did because he uh, he was taken by by what? Who the Expos was it? Yeah, but he didn't play in college. Okay. He he was drafted out of high school. Okay, so so according to uh, USA Today, oh, it's one of these like uh, like scroll things for like oh click and click oh, click, click click next. To see who was the next, next uh, quarterback? Matt Moore played quarterback. He uh, played quarterback and played. Uh, for the oh he, oh he was he was actually in the LA Angels system he was a he played for the uh, for a Southern California semi pro league uh, who was then picked up by the Angels so he played in the outfield Dan Marino was a pitcher that, yep. for the Marlins interesting actually he played alongside Don Mattingly uh, Steve McNair if you remember him the uh, the quarterback from the t- from the Titans. Uh, Achilles Smith who actually who was one of the biggest draft busts in NFL history was taken like. Second or third overall. Um, sorry, th- yeah, third overall in 1999. I know Drew Henson played for the Yankees. <laughs> Drew Henson. Well, he um, played Major League Baseball for the Yankees. Yeah. As well as professional football for the Niners, was it? Yeah. Mm. Crazy. Uh, actually, this article here um, is all Super Bowl quarterbacks who played uh, college ball. So Pat Mahomes did play uh, college baseball. He played one season, had like a 13 ERA. He was, he, taken as a, he, he, was the, he was taken as the 10th pick in the 2017 draft. That's By the crazy. Tigers? Yeah. Wait. There you go. I know my baseball. That's wild. John Elway. Uh, actually, listen to this. John Elway, fun fact. 
So, so John Elway played quarterback at Stanford, obviously, and then they were taken. Do you know who was who was uh, recruited to not only replace him as the quarterback, but also replace him as their everyday center fielder? Billy Bean. Wait, I remember. I remember. Okay, yeah, obviously he was at San at San Diego State, right, or at Cal State. Stanford. That's right. I forgot. Billy, Billy Bean, Bean got, got into Stanford. Billy Bean b- before joining the Mets was given a dual scholarship offer to play quarterback at Stanford University and be the starting center fielder. Right. Well, that was all highlighted in the Moneyball book. Well, yeah, but like they didn't go into detail about about who he was going to replace and the college he was going to go to, but it was more so just him mm-hmm. uh, going to uh, play for the Mets. Also, uh, Joe Namath played uh, baseball. Joe Theismann played baseball. Colin Kaepernick actually did. By the uh, he played with the yeah he throws like ninety seven miles. An dude, hour. listen to this. Coming out of high school, he threw 94 miles an hour. He was a lefty, apparently. Kaepernick? He was apparently a lefty playing baseball. He was Colin, a righty no. thrower. Colin? He was, according to howtheyplay.com, yeah. he, was, he, was, he was an ambidextrous thrower. Colin Kaepernick baseball. Apparently, he had, he had more movement as a lefty, but he, but he, was, he was a fireballer as a righty. In 2009, the, in the 2009 baseball draft, Kaepernick was selected in the 43rd round by the Chicago Cubs. He decided yeah. he wanted to continue to play football at the University of Nevada. That's the same draft as Mike Trout. Um, That's wild. Ken Stabler played, Daryl LaMonica, but th- these are all old guys. Ron Jaworski, the guy on uh, who, who you always see on, uh, well, if you want to go on the other, ESPN. If you want to go the other way, Todd Helton was Peyton Manning's backup at Tennessee. I had no idea. Did that's you crazy. Not know that? No, it's wild. So when Peyton Manning signed with the Broncos in 2011 or whatever it was, there was like a big reunion with Todd Helton and uh, Peyton Manning in Denver because they were teammates in Tennessee. That's crazy. I didn't. I I had no idea you didn't know that. Should Todd, should Todd Helton be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. All right. Thank you. So it's so, not even close. So I'm not the only one who's going to die in the hill. All right. We're we're 14 minutes in yeah, into the we show. We got to start running it. We need to start it. You're listening to the Mac and Main Show. On 98.1 WQAQ. The soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Is this the Monday morning, 10.15 in the morning. You know, it's a very uncharacteristic morning. It's uh, 46 degrees in Hamden, Connecticut. Not great. I had to actually throw on a, a hoodie and a long sleeve shirt before going to class at 8 a.m. But anyways. The weather's been so whack. But anyways, really? it is a gorgeous day for college radio, being that we're stuck inside. Stephen McAvoy, Jack Main, the Mac and Main Show on 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. You know, uh... As, as we were listening to the intro, it's kind of bittersweet. We only have a couple more of these left. Yeah, so we, we, we've been kind of avoiding addressing this, but <laughs> the future of the Mac and Main show is in limbo. Very much like a uh, a player whose contract is up and they don't know what the negotiation tactic's going to be. So yeah. Steve obviously is graduating from grad school uh, in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and I have one more year left of Quinnipiac University, maybe two depending on how the end of the semester goes. But the matter of the fact is, I'm sorry, Mom, I, I will graduate. Um, the matter of the fact is, is like we like we have a decision to make about the future of the show, and um, to make sure you stay up to date on all that stuff, make sure you you follow us over on our Twitter at Mac and Main because that's where we post all of our updates. We don't know. Obviously, t- next week's going to be our last in studio for a long time. We don't know. Steve's planning on moving back to Long Island. 
Um, I obviously will be here, so if Steve makes a trip up to Hamden, he will be more than invited to, to come hang out in the <laughs> studio. But uh, the Mac and Main show will likely transition to a full podcast. We haven't really made the final decision on it yet. Yeah, a lot of uh, choices need to need to uh, yeah. be made, and I'm kind of gazing off into my laptop because I don't want to address this any more than I have to. But I know, um, but but so I'll I'll talk. You you just no no no. Like look, you know what? It's um. Well, let's. I think we're not gonna we're gonna save the sob stories until next week. But sure, um, sure. but it's really been a uh, a magnificent ride. Obviously, we've been. At this for so long. Uh, this Friday is the final award show that I'll be a part of at, at WQAQ. So we'll mm-hmm. see uh, if the Mac and Main show goes back to back on show of the year. I really, really hope so. <laughs> I, I want us to maintain the, the dynasty. But you know what? Look, whether or not uh, the show continues, obviously I have greener pastures in terms of uh, jobs uh, that I need to hopefully make money. Shout out to my mom who's been hounding me. Hey, when are you going to get a job? Um, I mean, I, have, I feel like it, Mom. I mean, I have like three jobs, but they're, but they're all unpaid because the sports industry sucks. But regardless, that, that's a different story for a different day. But you know, it's been um, it's been really good. It's uh, yeah, but we got one more. We got the show. The show's given me literally everything I've ever wanted, and uh, I will give my thirty minute speech. No, not thirty minutes, <laughs> but I will give my five minute uh, to go speech next week. But in the meantime, there are plenty of important things to talk about. The NFL draft, the Dodgers and Padres played a spectacular game. There's also a big debate now going on uh, in the MLB between a certain pitcher and a potential no-hitter. But we're going to get into that. Yeah, we got to address that. We're going to get into that later. (laughs) But the first thing we need to talk, the NFL draft is this Thursday, Jack. Yes, it is. Let me pull up my mock draft real fast. A lot of different things. Jack has nothing to uh, prepare on this. (laughs) The guy who doesn't know college football. Then again, I I don't really know college football, but at the very least, I know the draft because I have to analyze it. I know the draft, too. I know exactly who the Patriots need to take. Jack, this you, is the first time I'm actually invested in the NFL. Jack, draft. you know who the first overall pick is. Yeah, I know who the first. I know who the second <laughs> overall pick is. Look, n- knowing the Jets, they can do anything. I I think the Jets should go defense because that's just been their specialty. Neither here nor there, but here, let me uh, Jack, let me pull Jack, up. They don't have a quarterback. They have no quarterback. They have. Oh, well, they let. They let. Like they let go of Joe Flacco. Oh boy. And Sam Darnold's now a and Panther. The Panthers. I knew that. I knew that. Well, listen. As if Joe Flacco was going to be a, a reliable quarterback anyways. Well, hear me out. Well, he might be the new starting quarterback of the Eagles. <laughs> well, <enough. laughs> yeah, because their head coach is an idiot and said, oh, yeah, we're not going to. No, they, they don't are, have a head coach. Well, their the, interim head coach, I don't even know his name. It's Nick something. He said that. Where's Kalen Terry at? He said that, that they are. "Quote unquote," not going to give Jalen Hurts the keys to the car yet. Which hey, is um, by the way, if anyone out there, ridiculous. if anyone out there wants to call in, <clears throat> Nick Martin, if you're listening, 203-582-5555. That's the number um, to call into. Are you, are you prompting a uh, a random I'm hoping, I'm, Nick Martin tunes in every now and again, and I'm hoping that he's listening right now. And if he wants to, the number again is two zero three five eight two five 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 five. If you want to hit our line. Uh, let's hope the phones are working. I actually let me test the phone to make sure. I'm a thousand percent going to get like a prank call from one of my friends uh, because we are big on Two hounding Mike Francesa. So I'm waiting on a prank call from one of them. Right. But regardless, I'm checking to make sure the phone works because I don't know if it does. But Jack, seriously, though, let's hop into the uh, this draft analysis. So obviously, as a New England based sports show, we, we, there's three big teams we need to talk about: obviously the Patriots, the Giants, and the Jets. Let's start. With your New England Patriots, let's kind of let's let's talk about the options, who they need, where they can go, because the Patriots are are in a very odd spot. 
They and, are. And we're gonna, in a spot no one's really familiar with. Yeah, so we're gonna so, so, so actually we're gonna we're gonna work backward to forward, starting with the Pats at fifteen and where they should uh, figure out their draft because at, at, at this point in the draft, mm-hmm. the quarterback situation is going to be pretty much top three or four should be off the board. Uh, in my opinion, probably three, possibly four, depending on how the Falcons play the draft. So yeah. the quarterback situation is pretty fluid. There isn't much uh, clue as to what's going to happen. Who's Cam Newton's currently the, uh, the the starter until further notice? Yep, and I'm not disappointing. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. They have needs at wide receiver. They could use a tight end. Well, they don't really have needs at wide receiver. They could, they could, they could, they could they use, could use one. The yeah. problem is they need offensive weapons. Their defense is fine because the defense is, well, always, is always consistent. Signed, they just signed the two best tight ends um, that were available, Hunter Henry and, yes, and John Smith. And Smith. So, they, so t- tight end, never mind. They could use a wide receiver, though. So, they need, they, they, so yes. They Tom could. Brady hasn't had a reliable number one weapon since Randy Moss. That's not true. Gronk. Edelman. I, I mean... As a wide receiver, one lining up on the outside. So obviously, Edelman was in the slot. Gronk was the tight end. So he had Antonio Brown for a game. (laughs) Sure, I guess. Um, But a true reliable wide receiver, one the Randy Mosses of the world. Whoever was was prior to him, like I mean, like you can't compare Randy Moss to any number one receiver in the league today, only because like Randy Moss is number two all time in most people's books, and uh, and you know, like there's only a handful of those guys that you could really, really want. And I would say it would be Larry Fitzgerald if it was 10 years ago. It would be Odell Beckham Jr. five years ago or Antonio Brown five years ago. You know, those are the guys that you really, really want as, like, your number one. Yeah. Clearly, that's not going to be the case. I see the Patriots trading with the Carolina Panthers up to number eight and taking, potentially taking a quarterback. I could see it happening. Look, they, because now that now the Panthers don't need a quarterback, I would see I could see New England trading with them, well, swapping the one, picks. Maybe Stephon Gilmore goes in that deal as well. That would be a that be a haul. And the Patriots would get the number fifteen pick and probably a kicker. You know, all right. It's a it's an interesting case because again, the quarterback situation is going to be fluid. The wide receiver market is going to, is going to be thin unless Jalen Waddle falls, which I don't think he will anywhere past uh, thirteen, fourteen. So. It's the, their best case is going to have to be to trade up, but the question is: is who's going to be there to right. go for it? Right. So obviously, if, they, if they're going to go quarterback, so here's the current situation, and, and we we should talk about, about about it later, but it's important to bring it up now. I think Justin Fields is a great fit for New England. Assumingly, the first three picks are going to be Lawrence Wilson and some combination of Trey Lance, Mac Jones, or Justin Fields, according to what now the 49ers are doing because they've been flip flopping the last three and a half weeks. According to a report yesterday uh, from Adam Schefter, they're between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. In my opinion, it's Trey Lance. He's the easiest pick on the board. Yeah, he's a little risky being being a North Dakota State guy, as we as we've seen with Carson Wentz, hasn't had a terrific NFL career. But at the same time, in my opinion, Trey Lance is probably the most the the, the closest quarterback to what Josh Allen currently is in the NFL mm-hmm. out of anybody on the board. And then Justin Fields needs time to develop behind. A big time quarterback, which is why I think he'll go to four at the Falcons. I don't think that the Falcons are going to take a quarterback. That's that, that's the, that's the other that's the other debate. The Falcons have Matt Ryan on a two year deal. If they were to keep him, they can. They're assumingly going to go wide receiver and probably go with a Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, or Devontae Smith. Probably uh, the um, the previous and Jamar Chase. But we don't really know what what the Falcons are doing. Jumping now back to the Patriots. 
that that now leaves the question: there isn't going to be a lot of people on the market. So where what is a potential trade target for you? I think the Panthers would work. They they need some offensive weapons as well. But after losing Curtis Samuel, they don't really ha- have a reliable tight end. They have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, so fine offensive weapons, including. Christian McCaffrey, but if you can get one more piece or even an offensive lineman, Rashawn Slater is projected to go around there because Penny Sewell was most likely going to go five to the Bengals unless they end up choosing choosing, choosing uh, Jamar Chase if he lands there. I think the Lions are, are another good uh, spot. Pat well, Pitts, uh, as mentioned, them possibly looking to uh, trade out and get a haul of picks because they need so many different things. Well, here's, what I, here, here's where I see New England's biggest competition right now for a quarterback. So yeah. I think that the Falcons stick with Matt Ryan just because of the amount of money that they owe him. Yeah, it's a lot. They they owe him a lot of money and he But again though, he he, he has he, an opt he has an opt out after yeah. this year. He's at, he's entering his age 36 season. He's making about a, he's making about 26 this year and a cap hit. So I'm going to go ahead and say if New England trades up to 8 for with Carolina, I see Denver trading with Detroit. They're at seven and nine, so that would not be a hard swap to mm-hmm. make. I'm sure it would just be uh, seven for nine and then a kicker. Yeah. Um, and I would say give. And when I say kicker, I don't mean a place kicker. I mean like a like a fourth round or a fifth round yeah. draft pick. Um, I see Denver and Detroit swapping because Denver could use a quarterback, and if Denver really likes Justin Fields, they could potentially s- sneak in right there. They're the only team outside of the top three that really need a quarterback. Oh my God! Yeah. If you, if you, I mean, Cincinnati doesn't need one. Miami doesn't need one. Detroit just got uh, what's his face from from Jared LA. Goff. Carolina just got uh, Sam Darnold. Darnold and Denver's the only other team because the Cowboys just signed Dak. The Giants are sticking with the Broncos. Quarterback situation has been so horrific since Peyton Manning left. Look at that. They. Took Paxton Lynch, didn't pan out. They tried with, with uh, Trevor Simeon twice, didn't work Wasn't out. Wasn't Paxton Lynch a wide receiver? No. Yeah. He, he was, was a quarterback. But he was like a, he was a quarterback in college, and then he was a wide. He didn't transition to wide. I have receiver. no idea, but but they, they they took him as a quarterback, and it did and it didn't work. They, they tried they tried out Trevor Simeon. They had Joe Flacco for a little bit. Nothing worked. They haven't had they haven't had a quality quarterback since Peyton Manning, and even then, Peyton Manning's last two years with the Broncos he basically had a had a noodle arm. Paxton Lynch was taken. Oh, he's actually with the with the Steelers now. Hmm. Yeah, and he'll never see the field again. <laughs> so, bottom line, you're you're gonna go with the Patriots trading up to where? To eight. To eight. Give me the. It makes the most sense. It it makes the most sense if New England's taking a quarterback. If they take a quarterback, they're trading up to number eight. And if they trade up to number eight, they're taking Justin Fields because I I I, I believe that in the best case scenario for the Niners, they have a run heavy offense. They're gonna take a run quarterback, uh, the guy from from Tulane or whatever. Tulane. Not 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 um not Zach Wilson. Oh, not, f- not not Fields. I'm sorry. From BYU, you mean? No, that- not not BYU because he's number two. Zach Wilson's BYU. He's he's going number two. Okay. I'm talking the kid, uh, the uh, the kid that's not that's lesser known. Gosh, yes, uh, you're really gonna make me look this. No, up. I know exactly who you're talking about. Well, who was what's his name? I can't tell you his name. You just said it like ten seconds ago. Oh, I got it. Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Yes, they're the Buffalo. They're the Bison. They're the Bison. Dude, you you, you had me thinking of a very different quarterback. They're going with Trey Lance. They're choosing between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, which means Justin Fields could potentially be available. And Mac Jones, by the way, call me crazy, bro. 
no Alabama quarterback since Joe Namath has made it out of has has made it big in the NFL. Yeah, and you know what's even crazier? Steve Sarkeesian, who's the uh, the head coach at uh, sorry the offensive coordinator at Alabama, can can cannot say he's the head coach because that's that's uh, that's uh, that's Saban. Yep. That's God. He said that he has never given a quarterback, and this is according to uh, to for fellow fellow grad student and NFL insider Kevin Borba. He said that Mac Jones has never been given more leniency in the Alabama quarterback system ever in the history of Steve Sarkeesian's coaching at Bama, at USC, wherever he was. The other three quarterbacks that he said he's given the most leniency and the most uh, leadership to was Matt Leinart and, Matt, and Mark Sanchez. Neither Did they one go of, to Alabama. No, they went to USC. But when when Star coached at USC, he said Matt Leonard was the best was the best quarterback he's ever seen. He then followed it up saying Marcus Marcus Sanchez is just behind Matt Leonard as the best quarterback he's ever seen. Now he's saying Matt Jones is the greatest quarterback he's ever seen in college, which kind of shows to you that I am very weary on the idea of taking Matt Jones and the fact that he's even in the running as a third overall pick. If he ends up going three to the Niners, it's a travesty. It's the biggest miss. That this team could have possibly made. Right. Now, but don't get me wrong. There's going to be one quarterback eventually from Alabama that ends up making it out there. But there, there's a reason why they call it DBU. They're they're very there's very far there's very far and few, especially even just not yeah. even Alabama, but the but I mean, the SEC quarterbacks. I'm not going to lie to you. Like the only relevant SEC quarterbacks that have come out of the NFL in the last in the last 20 years was one year from Cam Newton, Tim Tebow for one year, Matt yeah. Stafford from Georgia, and Eli Manning from Ole Miss. That's it. Wasn't wasn't um in the last twenty years, Peyton Manning was ninety nine. What about what about uh, Joe Burrow? Or is LSU not? Well, yeah. SEC? Well, Joe Burrow's I, the, the, the way I see it, he's too young to determine this yet. Okay. I, I do okay. think he's still fair, there though. Fair. So no, I'm literally like looking at the top ten Alabama quarterbacks outside of Joe Namath. There are a bunch of guys that you probably you would have to be a diehard fan to know is of. It, Ken is Stabler is AJ McCarron on, on Baker, the list. Uh, Pat Trammell. Uh, Jeff Rutledge, some good names. AJ but McCarron, bro. Yes, I, yes, AJ McCarron. How about Andy Murray? No, or no, 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 he, he played at Georgia. Neither of those guys. All right. Anyways, moving off the Patriots because we're going off. Yeah, on a tangent so here. The, if they're taking a quarterback, they're trading up to eight. If they're not taking a quarterback, they're sticking with fifteen, and they're probably going wide receiver or tight end. So not the, tight end, but just wide receiver. The eleventh overall pick in the draft. The yes, New York Giants. New York Giants. They need a wide receiver. There's a lot of things they need. And hear me out. This is. This is the the best and possibly worst spot the Giants can be in because there are so many different ways that this draft can go. I think there are three names that they need to keep in mind that are going to be on the board at this pick. Wide receiver, Jalen Waddell. Okay. Tight end, Kyle Pitts, if he even falls there, which I really doubt is going to happen, and, and I'm going to give you my top 10 picks in a minute. But if Kyle Pitts somehow lands there at 11, he's the home run pick of this draft. And if he goes any any worse than five, there's a problem here. Or Micah Parsons, the Penn, the Penn State linebacker. Here's why. The Giants have been notoriously strong defensively in the last five years. Yes, the record doesn't show up at all, but, but actually their defensive metrics, metrics have rated in the top 15 amongst, amongst NFL defenses, including the secondary, as a top 15 defense, as I just, just said. I, I just uh, repeated that. The offense has been the biggest crux uh, of their their time, and look, it's 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 too late at this point to give up on Daniel Jones. You might as well let him play the year and, sit and see what happens. And I'm going to get to who I think the Giants should take late in the draft as a little sleeper pick to uh, to, to uh, keep your eyes on. But if Micah Parsons falls, their defense has been 
has been elite. They recently they've recently lost Lorenzo Carter to, to an injury. They're not going to get they're not going to get back Dalvin Tomlinson because he's left uh, because they gave the bag to Leonard Williams. They're good enough in, in the secondary with Bradbury and Logan Ryan. The big thing is going to be another edge edge rusher or a linebacker who's going to give them that that that. Uh, push and Michael Parsons is by far the best linebacker in this draft. I think it's a home run if, they, if he ends up landing there. But Jalen Waddle is another player who I think is interesting, and here's why: the Giants recently uh, required, acquired Kenny Galladay from the Lions. He's your he, he, he's your wide receiver one. There's no if Andrew buts about it. He's going to be the number one target. The number two guy is Sterling Shepard, who he comes in at like six six foot three, six foot two. He isn't he isn't great size wise to be a number two receiver. He's more of a slot guy. But the problem is, is that that's exactly why they might have to go quarter, uh, might have to go go wide out. He's a decent wide receiver too. He isn't a wide receiver one, and we've seen that in the last three years because he can't be the reliable number one. That's why Evan Ingram is kind of taking the role, and even then, he sucks. So they need a uh, they need either a slot receiver who's going to be able to line up on the inside like a Jalen Waddle, who's undersized, is basically Julian Edelman two Who, if you can get the right slant pass in, he's your guy. Devontae Smith is a very popular pick there at eleven for the Giants. I hate the idea of just because he won a Heisman Trophy, he should be a top 10 pick. Think about it. There are less top 10 Heisman Trophy winner picks mm-hmm. than there are second round picks, third round picks, uh, late first round picks. Wait, wait, say that one more time. There are less. There are less top 10 picks who have won the Heisman yeah. out of any major award in sports in college. Less top 10 There are picks. more Wooden Award winners who were taking top 10 than there are Heisman Trophy winners. I mean, yeah, but then you also look at like the recent Heisman winners like Lamar Jackson, who then become unanimous MVPs. But yes, but again, late picks. The problem here is that like the Tim Tebow's and the Johnny Manziel's were taken in the 20s, who although they're great in college, they don't necessarily pan out of the pro game. Devontae Smith is tall, but he's but he he weighs 160 pounds. The guy, have you the seen his legs? He's a stick. Yeah, exactly. He's a stick. The guy's gonna the guy's gonna die on a football field if you go if you go against all pro linebackers like Khalil Mack. You kidding me? He would die. So I'm concerned about Devontae Smith as a receiver. I think he's a great receiver to, to begin with, but I don't think he's worthy of that of that 11th overall pick. I think Parsons, if Pitts lands there, or Waddle is the pick. Now the New York Jets. This is the one pick that if that if any team's going to screw it up, it's probably the New York Jets. But at this point, it's almost too hard to screw it up because unless the Jaguars take some out of left field player that isn't named Trevor Lawrence, first of all, the whole entire city of Jacksonville might blow up. Second of yeah, all, my project for my uh, PR class might blow up too. What are you saying? Oh no! So oh, it's a, it's a long story, but basically uh, we were talking about it after class with Roush today. Is it related to this? Yes. Oh god. Um, we are doing a long term PR project on how we can get asses into the seats at the, at the Jacksonville Stadium because they suck for because they suck so bad. Um, how we can creatively get fans to come to the stadium, and one one thing we're doing is we're harping. Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick. And if he's not the number one overall pick, our entire project basically collapses on itself. Well, Trevor Lawrence is is and should be the, the number one overall pick. The, they, the Jacksonville Jaguars have literally given him the playbook. Yeah. They I have mean, already, like Urban Meyer Urban has like, hand-delivered him the damn playbook. Whichever quarterback we take, yeah. No, 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 no. Like, he's literally given it to him already. The, Trevor Lawrence, in his home with his wife, has the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive playbook. Newly married. Anyway, continue what you were Whatever saying it with is. the Giants. Well, no, the Jets. If they don't take Zach Wilson here, the whole entire draft flops for them. They need a quarterback. They have more holes than anything. The only other option would be to trade back. And even then, you wouldn't be trading back very far because you'd be going after a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, who I don't think are 
worth worthy of that second overall pick. Zach Zach Wilson's the pick there. I'm gonna leave it leave it as simple as could be. But I want to hear your thoughts if they should go any different because because apparently you think no. defense is a, is their go. Well, yeah, because if you look at the history of the Jets, their their strongest their strongest players have been defensive side of the ball. I would disagree. Jamal Adams, De- Darrell Revis, Quinnen Williams, all the guys that were ex- excelled defensively. Okay, but Mo Wilkerson, uh, Sheldon Sheldon Richardson. Okay. Quentin Copels. I've only heard of Sheldon Richardson out of that group well, that you just mentioned. Mo Wilkerson was by far better than Sheldon Richardson. Well, I've only he heard played of anyways. Sheldon Richardson, uh, the only guy that I've heard of since. Again, though, high value picks. Quentin Copels, Quentin Copels was taken inside of the inside of the top twenty and played like five games. Outside of um, outside of their wide receiver that was Mister Irrelevant, who um, Jay Jamison Crowder. Yes. Outside of him, he's the he's the only offensive weapon I can successful. I can confidently say that the Jets drafted and he never they never drafted him. Yeah, he was Mister Irrelevant. He wasn't taken by the Jets though. Yeah, I'm, well, he was Mister Irrelevant. I, I I think he was Mister Irrelevant taken by the Jets. I can tell you right now. Maybe he uh, was he, taken by a different team. Well, but, no, he was taken by the by the Redskins. Okay, matter of the fact is is that the Jets don't draft offensive weapons all that well. Nor do they coach them very well. If you look at Sam Darnold's career, they drafted him in the first round, and his his career is now with a second franchise. Jameson Crowder was a fourth round pick. Wasn't he the? Wasn't he Mister Irrelevant? No. Who was Mister Irrelevant in that draft that made it in the NFL? I have no idea. Well, I, there, I thought I could have sworn it was him. Anyway, matter of the fact is. The, if the Jets decide to go with a quarterback at number two, which they definitely will, mm-hmm. they have to be more careful with their with their career because their track record of drafting offensive players isn't as strong as their track record of drafting defensive players. Jamal Adams turned into an all-pro safety. Quinton Williams is one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Also, just by, by the way, you're thinking of Tay Crowder, who was taken by the Giants. He's the linebacker. Oh, that was just irrelevant. Matter of the fact is, the Giants, know, just, the Jets just are you know. stronger defensively historically, so they should stick to that gun. However, they're gonna, they should, they they could and should take a quarterback, but just make sure that they coach him very well and not screw his career like they did with Sam Darnold, like they did with Tim Tebow, and like they did with the end of Mark Sanchez's career. I, there's no other pick to take than a quarterback. And of course, of course there is, and, and they should take a quarterback, but don't screw him up like they actually, did with Sam Darnold. I'm lying. There's only one other player that I would say who isn't a quarterback that, that might be a decent pick, and it's Penny Sewell from Oregon, considering he's the best offensive lineman. Kyle he, Pitts is an option for them. Yeah, but they, but it's more important to get the guy who throws the ball than the guy who, the, the, than the guy who catches it. They need to, at the very yeah. least, build a baseline in this franchise. And, and, and again, the only the only other pick that I could see possibly happening is Penny Sewell from Oregon. He's the highest rated offensive lineman since Joe Thomas. Like he's that good. And if you were if you were to line him up on the left side next to next to Mackay Becton on, on the right, you have two anchors of your offensive line for the next twenty years. Considering offensive linemen, their their lifespan is forever, despite the fact. That they're getting pummeled every 20 seconds by Aaron Donalds. But a quarterback is the most obvious pick, considering they have no one there to to take over the role. And unless they manage to acquire someone in free agency, which the market is literally as, as barren as, as Brian Hoyer's hair, and literally only Brian Hoyer on the market, they're going to have to go uh, Zach Wilson. Now, Jack, do you have a potential top 10 that you can give me? 
Um, I have the ESPN top ten. Look, oh. I, I I don't want to pretend like I'm a, like an, I'm I'm an expert. And people who listen to us who are like diehard college football fans, I apologize for us. We 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 want to be better. All right, well here, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Actually, I'm gonna say not Justin Fields. I'm gonna say Trey Lance. I think they go Trey Lance. Okay. Uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, Penny Swell, Jamar Chase. Um, and then whoever the Lions take, who might be might be Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater, okay. I could see. It's not a, it's not um, a horrible pick. And then New England goes with potentially, potentially they go with um, Fields. Yep. Or Mac Jones at eight, uh, and then whatever quarterback was available. Uh, Mac Jones likely for Denver, mm-hmm. and then the Cowboys probably go with Patrick Certain. All right, so here, here, here's the top ten that I will literally take to the bank, and I will and I will write down every single one that I get right. Now I, I don't necessarily agree with these because I think some of them should be moved around, and some some teams should trade. But number one, the Jaguars are going to take, take Trevor Lawrence. Two, the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. That's that's practically the guarantee, unless unless of course the front office of the Jets choose to blow up the franchise. At three. I'm th- I want them to take Trey Lance. I think he I think he's the best quarterback on the board. Who doesn't need a year to develop? I think Justin Fields need, needs a year. I think Matt Jones needs a year. I think they're going to go Fields, though, at three. Despite them saying Trey Lance or Matt Jones, Justin Fields for the last three weeks has been the guy on their radar. They were the first ones at his pro day. They were the first ones at his first game of the year and his last game of the year. I think it's going to be Fields at three. At four with the, with the Falcons, I think they should go... Matt Jones or Trey Lance? Probably Trey Lance, because I don't think Matt Jones is even a, is even a top 10 quarterback. Big thing is, though, is going to be, are, do they want to hold on to Matt Ryan, or do they want a guy to develop behind him? I think, be, I think it should be Trey Lance or Justin Fields, whichever one uh, falls down to four. It's probably going to end up being Kyle Pitts out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Five, it's either Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase. I'm saying they're going to go Sewell. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they go Jamar Chase solely on the fact that it was he was Joe Burrow's best friend in college. Do you see... Potentially. Wait, were you finished? No, no, I'm still going, but go ahead. Okay. No, all right. No, finish and then and then go ahead. At I'll, six, at six, if Sewell isn't taken by, uh, by the Bengals, it's going to be Sewell there. Otherwise, of course, Jamar Chase, give to a, a offensive option. It's going to help. Seven for the uh, for the Lions. I think they might actually go Devontae Smith, take a bit of a stretch. They could use the wide receiver. They have to give Jared, Jared Goff an option, especially after losing Kenny Galladay. Otherwise, it's Jalen Waddle. Eight for the a for the Panthers is going to be is going to be Rashawn Slater. They need an offensive lineman. He's the biggest need on the team. They can go and get a get a quarterback later on in the draft. Nine with the Broncos is going to be whatever quarterback is left on the board, whether it's Fields, uh, Lance, Jones, whoever it is. They're going to go quarterback. Trump there's no the there's no way about it. <laughs> ten ten for the for the Cowboys is going to be Patrick Sertain because the Patriots are horrible. Well, they're hard. They're not horrible. They are notorious. For not trading draft picks, they don't trade. No, they do trade draft picks. They just trade them down. Yes, they don't trade up very often. When, no, they and, never trade up. And when they do, it blows up in their face. And it's happened a couple times in their history. I cannot tell you exactly when, but I have have read multiple articles uh, about that. So, so the Pats aren't going to trade up. They're going to take the fifth quarterback that's available on the board, probably Matt Jones I, at fifteen. But at ten, the the Cowboys are going to take Patrick Sertain. Something just crossed my mind. Go ahead. I believe that there's an opportunity for New England to, if they don't go with if they can't swindle the trade with the Panthers, I believe that they may trade up to eleven. Who with the Giants? Who is this? The Patriots, 
and take one of the two Alabama wide receivers. I don't think that that's a plausibility. I, it don't call me crazy, but Bill Belichick's done stupider things in the past, like taking the kill Harry over DK Metcalf. The Giants are also notorious for not trading draft picks. They like to they, they, they love staying okay, put where they are. So then New England trades with Philadelphia, and they take the other wide receiver that's available. The only thing there though is that Philadelphia needs a wide receiver more than anything else, considering they haven't ha- they haven't had a good one since Deshaun Jackson. So trade. Trade Nikhil Harry and the number 15 pick for the number 12 pick and take whatever wide receiver the Giants don't take. Probably the one this Smith, yeah. Yeah. I could see it happening. I mean, that's that's a great option right there. Also, you could you could do the same exact thing with the yeah. Giants. At 11, though, I do think the Giants are going to take uh, Micah Parsons. He's the, he, he's the home run pick. A few sleepers to look out for. Uh, just kind of wrap up the segment before we take a short break and uh, move into baseball. Couple of guys to look out for in this draft: Quiddy Pay from yeah. from Michigan, absolute nasty uh, linebacker. Can li- like he, like th- this guy doesn't play football to tackle guys; he plays football to kill people. Like he is an absolute oh, mess. J- oh, J- JC Horn from South Carolina, and, uh, a cornerback to look out to. And I'm going to take this to the bank. Whoever, wh- whichever running back lands to the Jets, Jets at 23, whether it's going to be Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, that needs to be the pick for the Jets at 23. All right, before we break. NFL just passed a new rule allowing uh, players to wear single digits. I hate this. This is this is the reaction I wanted. Go ahead. Great. You know how in college football uh, you can have like two number fives, one on offense, one on defense. First of all, it's annoying as crap to have to, to have to go through the team death chart and be like, oh, uh, like especially like like doing doing play by play by play in color, which I've been doing recently uh, for for class. We we did Clemson football and. I'm so uh, in to whoever number five is. I think it was Frank Ladson. And then on the alternate side, number five on the defense, I always mix them up, and it's so annoying t- to figure out. Now we're going to have linebackers who are number 30. Like I think the the uniformity of football, it's kind of nice because at the, because now you know everyone. There's some order to it. And you know who plays where. Like in a lot of different offense, especially defenses, um, and even offense, Certain players who have certain numbers, you can kind of tell where they are on the field. So, like a safety usually wears somewhere in the in the in the thirties uh, to forties range, possibly even high twenties. So, if they're lining up kind of as a, as almost a additional edge rusher, you can very much tell who, who who the strong safety is and if he's going to probably go back into coverage. Now, because obviously wearing helmets, you can't see players' faces. It's hard to kind of differentiate, especially as a quarterback trying to analyze the whole field and see who's where. To see, oh, this guy's the Mike linebacker who usually you want to watch out for on quarterback spies or, or major blitz packages or even the safety. So I think with the number mix-up, it's going to kind of screw everything up, and I think it kind of ruins the uniformity of it. Tom Brady h- hates it, and if he's the GOAT, I'm going yeah. to agree with him on I, that. I don't hate it. I also don't love it. I agree with Steve. It, you know, football kind of loses the uniformity of, you know, because it, because of, like, just figuring out, you know, the order of things. I think it's a little bit of a money grab. So now you have to go buy your favorite player's jersey all over again. Um, I would say it's good in terms of growing the fan engagement in the game, but it is poor for players who get used to saying, 53 is the mic. Now imagine just being like, 6 is the mic. Yeah, just it, how like awkward is that going to be? But it simply ruins the, the uniformity of the game, and I think it's going to make a lot of offenses uh, a lot more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, confused, especially offensive linemen 
And for the quarterback, it simply makes our job harder when they have yeah. to rem- to literally memorize a 200 play 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 playbook. Yeah. I'm not I, like I'm with it, but at the same time, I'm not with it. I, I guess I could go either way with it. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're talking Major League Baseball. You are listening to 98.1 WQAQ. Jay-Z's got some bops that I just don't know about. It's just because he's not played on the radio. Dude, Jay-Z is so good. He's good. He's good. You, you know what? At some point, and probably going to happen on our final show, we're going to have a, a, a final like rap debate. <laughs> our last. We've been we, cold we, opening recently on just like pop culture topics. And yeah, you know, that's well. Well, we, we brought up rap like a couple weeks ago. And that, that was probably honestly our best opening uh, kind of segment. Because we spent a good 20 minutes talking about like top rappers in the, uh, in the industry mm-hmm. and how much we... Yeah. We hate modern day rap, yeah, uh, like except for a couple guys. Yeah, like you know, all right, the baby's growing on me. Yeah, he should be. He's a good rapper. He's well, got great flow. He's he, got good right, freestyle. He has good flow, but it's it, it's the same like kind of rap in every single song. Like like it, he sounds the same in every single I mean, song sure, he maybe does. He's not versatile, but he's he doesn't need to be versatile when most guys these days are like also also a guy guy who's growing on me is a little baby. He he has great has. vocals. Yeah, he, he has really, very he's getting, like he's been getting better. But look, like like there are a lot of artists who like people are like all up, all up about, and I'm like they all suck. Yeah. For the most part, they're all terrible. All right. Oh wait, oh jeez, Louise. You okay. Right. Yeah. No, you know, I just had to stretch. I'm getting tired, dude. I did you not do realize well that you do realize that we're a we're a morning show and you're yawning. This isn't a, this isn't a good sign. Yeah, I didn't sleep very well last night, and Chris Roush is. 8 a.m. this morning. You know, I can't believe I signed up for an 8 a.m. on a Monday. So the MLB season is in full swing. There are a handful of guys who are tearing the cover off the ball. Yerman, Yerman Mercedes, I don't know when he's going to fall, to, fall to, to, down to earth. He, he's playing he's, baseball he's, on Mars. He's kind of getting there. But he's still absolutely ridiculous, and I cannot believe I didn't add him in fantasy baseball when I had a chance. But the biggest oh, topic wow. probably from, from yesterday wasn't even from the best game of the weekend but it was from the Arizona Diamondbacks. So yes, the Dodgers and Padres played a a, a extra inning thriller, and Dustin May is, all, is, is also nasty. But Madison Bumgarner, with the recent MLB uh, move to make doubleheaders seven only seven innings, I didn't actually know this. It turns out that it's an unofficial no hitter. Yes. So Madison Bumgarner threw a seven inning no hitter. I hate this. And they aren't going to count it. As a no hitter, so stupid. It's so stupid. First of all, it is a no hitter. Second of all, the Major League Baseball and the union agreed to have seven inning official official seven inning games. Like they they agreed to that. They said that that's something that they want to do. So why are they not counting this as an official no hitter? If this is a game that goes in the history books. As an official win for the Arizona Diamondbacks and Madison Bumgarner in that official game, no hit that team. It's an official no hitter. Yeah. It, meanwhile, technically speaking, they count. Uh, I mean, on the Wikipedia pages and on the um, MLB.com site, they count combined no hitters as a no hitter, as they should. But like, but I, I feel like if you are throwing a seven inning no hitter and it's considered, a, it, it's literally considered in his record a complete game shutout. I mean, sure, there's an asterisk next to it. Yeah, but if it's considered a complete game shutout and there isn't the asterisk there, why can't it be considered a no-hitter? But if you go seven innings of no-hit ball and the reliever comes in for, for two more innings and closes the door, it's why, why is that a no-hitter? 
So I, I don't understand. No, what, it is, well, it's a no hitter because the team threw the no hitter. But 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 it goes in the record book as a no hitter. So I don't understand why Madison Bumgarner isn't getting the credit for no hitter, it, considering it, it it's it, it, yeah, it should count. Like, love or hate Madison Bumgarner, I I definitely don't like him. Why as not? A, as a guy, I, I I think that he stands for everything that isn't right with modern day baseball. Like he hates he hates when people pimp homers off him. He hates it when you know players walk out of the batter's box. He's a, he's a traditionalist. Yeah, and I and you know like I'm a traditionalist too in the sense that like I don't think the game should be, I don't think the game should change in the way that it's played, in terms of like 60 foot base paths, you know, 60 feet or Six, 90, 60 foot, 90 foot base paths, 60 feet six inches, you know, home plate. I was gonna say like, uh, games. I don't think that should be changed. I think that the way that the the style of the game should definitely be changed. The way the, like allowing guys to pimp and to throw their bats and yeah, shut it, off the mound. It certainly certainly creates a a new right. added effect. And the fact that like Nick Castellanos just got suspended for you know showing emotion on the field well, is absolutely right, well, ridiculous. <laughs> I find it funny how how that suspension the the reasoning for it was because he caused a quote unquote super spreader of COVID. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile. Er, Everyone gets tested before games, anyways. So if no one, so if everyone's negative, how the, how the hell are you going to bring COVID on the field? Beats me. Unless like Angel Hernandez is going to cause a, uh, a, a COVID outbreak, which, which I wouldn't be surprised at in the slightest. But bottom line, Madison Bumgarner should be given uh, a no hitter, and I don't think there's any yeah. debate to that. So I step away, use the bathroom real quick. Yes, Keep go right ahead. So the Los Angeles Dodgers played the San Diego Padres yesterday, and and honestly, what could probably be described as the best game so far this season. And yeah, it's been a Pretty short season to, to begin with, but it was an absolute thriller. L- let me break down some of the numbers here. First of all, Dustin May. Well, actually, let's start even before this. This is a this is a potential NLCS matchup. Of course, depending on on where things land, there's a very good chance that the Padres, if they end up uh, making the wild card, are going to have to play the uh, the Mets or or Braves, whoever whoever manages to come. As a second wildcard team, in which case they'd probably end up playing the Dodgers in the ALDS, but we'll see where things go. I'm oh, sorry, NLDS. But this is a incredible matchup, and this is going to be something that we're going to watch for 18, 19 more times this season, and I cannot wait to see it further. But some of the numbers here from this game, it's absolutely incredible. So the game went, let me pull this up for, for a hot second. So Justin May uh, was always on the hill for the, for the Dodgers. Had 10 strikeouts, threw probably the nastiest slider I've ever seen in my entire life to Jake to Jake Cronenworth. When six innings, one earned ball, one earned run, which was which was a singular uh, home run home run given up to Fernando Tatis, who by the way has been on a absolute tear. So Dustin May played great ball. Joe Musgrove didn't have the greatest game, uh, obviously following following off of his no hitter. Uh, he's been a, a little bit back to earth. Three innings, two earned, four strikeouts, but the bullpen came in and. Basically blew it, especially uh, No Ramirez, literally No N O E Ramirez, who came in and gave up five earned runs in one inning that, that 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 allowed the Dodgers to come back down from six runs, tie the game up, and but but, but from there it was really a heavy a heavy heavyweight bout. Five more pitchers came in for the Padres, all one inning of work, basically shut the door on the Dodgers. As for the Dodgers, uh, there was a downswing towards the end of the game because May went six innings, had solid production. David Price came in, gave, a, gave up an earned run. Bruce Dargratterall, a pickup from the uh, from the Red Sox and Wookiee Betts trade, gave up, gave up two runs of his own. And then things 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 slowly started to die. Now, now Jimmy Nelson, the former 
Uh, Milwaukee Brewer came in came in relief, two earned runs in that final in those final two innings, and that that eventually led to the uh, San Diego Padres winning in a eight seven bout in eleven innings. But this game was everything that was advertised and more. The offenses are flowing. The teams are playing terrific baseballs of late. I think this is going to be a matchup that we're going to, that we're going to want to book as a NLDS, possible NLCS, depending on how the standings go, as possibly one of the best matchups in playoff history. And this sounds kind of crazy to, to, to talk about now, but never in history, never in baseball history, have we seen two teams come into the season as top three teams in the same division and manage to put up the numbers that they've been doing so far as late. And not, not to mention. The San Diego Padres haven't had the greatest offensive numbers to begin the year. Tommy Pham's only batting 170 on the year. Will Myers, their third best hitter behind Eric Hosmer, and of course, Fernando Tatis. The, the, the rotation outside of a Jumbo Scrove no-hitter and you Darvish hasn't been terrific. Blake Snell is still only pitching f- five innings per game, so they're putting a lot on, on the bullpen. Mark Melanson has came out of literally nowhere to become the best closer in baseball once again after his long stint in Pittsburgh and three other different ball clubs, the Red Sox and so on. Uh, Emilio Pagan is, is one of the better setup men. Drew Pomeranz, who had a great year last year, is now kind of showing he's wavering a little bit. So there's a lot of up and downs with the Padres. And as for the Dodgers, probably the same thing. Cody Bellinger has been on the IL for the last two weeks. He's, he's going to be out for another two months. Gavin Lux, their top prospect, hasn't been playing at all. But the rotation's been the story. No one in this rotation has, has higher than a three ERA. It's absolutely ludicrous. Walker Bueller has been, been going off. Clayton Kershaw looks looks like vintage himself. And, and yes, I, I understand that Clayton Kershaw over the past four years has never had a has never had an ERA under over a three one. But this is like twenty twelve Clayton Kershaw we're talking about. This is a, this is prime elite Clayton Kershaw who's showing that even at thirty four years old in a contract year, he's still the best. He's still one of the the top ten pitchers in baseball. Luis Urias has had a terrific year so far this season, and of course, Dustin May, as I mentioned. So this team is stacked to the nines. I'm waiting for Jet to get back because I'm, I'm starting to lose my, my stalling gig here. But this has been a absolutely terrific matchup so far this season, and I, and I definitely look, look forward to seeing more of that. We're going to get Jack's opinion in just a little bit once he, once he returns from the bathroom. This is probably the first time that he's ever actually done, he's ever done, he's ever done this on me, and this is actually a, uh, a interesting turn of events for us. For those of you watching, I apologize for Jack's uh, absence, but a couple other things to look out for in the, in the baseball world that I'm interested in talking about is so far this year, there's been a lot of different cases of players who have had... Oh, there he is. Hey. So we uh, just finished up, finished up our Dodgers-Padres segment. Oh, well, greatest rivalry in baseball. I was, saying, I was saying this very well might be the best playoff matchup once you get to it. Uh, yeah, well, I it goes back to my... First of all, my apologies. I drank an entire liter of water since we've been sitting here. This is this is the first time you, you've ever done that to me, I think. <laughs> I was sitting here. It's three like, years of doing the show. Actually, four. Yeah, well, I did have to. I've had to be in quarantine a couple times, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, I know you've probably put a bow on it. I think it's the greatest rivalry in baseball right now. Best rivalry in baseball right now. It reminds me of the like 2007-2010 Red Sox-Yankees era. That was filled with like Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, Mark Teixeira, Nick yeah. Swisher, Josh Beckett, John Lester, CC Sabathia, Mo, like Mariano Rivera, Pavel Bond, John, like, like just the prime Red Sox Yankees rivalry from like when I was a kid. I feel like we're getting that right now. We have the same 
core players on both teams that like were the equivalent. Manny Machado, Frano Tatis, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Clayton Kershaw, Aaron Nola. Or, excuse, sorry, not Aaron Nola. Um, no, yeah, Aaron Nola. No, Aaron Nola's with the freaking... Are you, I'm talking. I'm trying to think of. Are, are you saying the Padres? Yes. You Darvish, Blake Snell. Blake Snell. Yes. You Darvish, Chris Blake Snell. Um, Chris Paddock, of course, just threw a no hitter a couple days ago. Um, this rivalry is so young. And last night, the Padres down seven one, come back to win the game in extra innings. Mm-hmm. I love it. This rivalry is what MLB needs to be promoting right now. Until the Red Sox and the Yankees can pick up the steam again, we thought it was going to. We thought it was going to be rejuvenated in 2018. Mm-hmm. When Joe Kelly hit, you know Tyler Austin, <laughs> and then in, and, and then ensued a brawl, we we aren't getting that right now. Do you know what we're the, getting that with Padres Dodgers? You know you, you know what's ironic about, about this? Like you said, it re- very very much relates to Yankees uh, Red Sox. It actually relates even further than that. Just the geography of these teams, they're three hours apart, just like the Yankees at, yeah. Yankees and Sox. The the team atmosphere. Very very similar ownership styles. The Dodgers being one of the top spending teams. The Red Sox for a while weren't necessarily in that top five, but they were always in that top ten area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the Padres are right now in this time. So geographically speaking, and just like uh, economically, they're actually very much similar to what this prime time situation was. And again, the, the rosters kind of speak for themselves. The Dodgers have have, have a, a a rotation full of guys who none of them ha- have any higher than a three ERA, which is ridiculous. The Padres have one of the most prolific offenses in baseball, despite having a player like Tommy Pham, who is usually a one of their better leadoff guys, is only hitting 200. But but Fernando Tatis is lighting the world on fire. So yes, and then, he started the year off real slow. Exactly. So everything about this screams terrific rivalry, and it's going to get even better as time goes on. I'm 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 super excited for this to be a matchup in the postseason. I think it's going to be, like you mentioned, Steve, one of the best matchups, and mm-hmm. they've been one of the best postseason matchups. In recent memory, the yeah. three best teams in in baseball right now are Padres, Dodgers, and then flip a coin between the Braves and the Mets. But uh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say the Mets are really in there. Oh, they've been they've been hot and cold this this the, to the start of the season. The Cardinals have been hot this year. They're in first place. The Red Sox have been hot this year. Who they saw haven't. that? Who saw that coming? That, um, that wasn't on the uh, 2021 bingo card. That was not on the 2021 bingo card. Still April though. But you know what was. EDP being a uh, oh, being a, a predator. Oh, I'm, I'm, part of me was like, yeah, this was. I mean, we all knew it. We just no one. No That's one. a whole sidebar, uh, yeah. Jack. Um, uh, before heading uh, yeah. to our next topic, I I had a. I'm sorry. Before uh, when you were in the bathroom, I was going to tr- tr- transition into this, but talking about the players who have been uh, a shocker so far so far this season, because mm-hmm. there have been a lot of especially young players who have, who have come out and. Have done absolutely ridiculous stuff the entire year. Here, Mercedes being that that one name, Nate Lau. A lot of guys didn't really know who he was coming in. He played a, lo- a little bit for the uh, for the Rays, and then he came into Texas as their starting first baseman over Ronald Guzman. And now, for about two weeks prior to JD Davis's three, run, uh, sorry, JD Martinez's three home run game, led the MLB in, in RBIs. And even that, actually, that whole Texas team. There's a lot of young guys that are starting to come up and actually. Uh, produce uh, Adolis Garcia. No one's ever heard of him before. He's batting 330 right now, five home runs in, in yeah. a week. I would say like Jesse Winker. Well, Jesse Winker's been, he's been kind of there. So he, so Jesse he's Winker actually. 381. He's got an OPS of 1100. Well, Jesse Winker, listen to this. So last year, he was the everyday right fielder after um, Nick Castellanos moved over to left field. Well, now and, it's switched back. Yeah. Well, and then Nick Senzel uh, came up and kind of split time with. 
with Winker, but but he he had a uh, a leg injury that that sidelined him for for part of the year. Jesse Winker was dirty last year, until leading up to the injury was a mm-hmm. very good hitter. Now, granted, it, we're only what three weeks into the season, so that 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 three eighty average is bound to go down a little bit. But he's been absolutely on fire the entire year. Yeah, and he's been a late bloomer too. I mean. Only 46 career home runs, but started off the season, you know, red hot. Yep. Um, another guy on the Cincinnati Reds that we're overlooking as a as a, a, one of the best pitchers in the league right now is Wade Miley. He's been dirty. Wade Miley's holding batters to uh, a 1-1-1 average, an OPS plus of negative 41. Mm-hmm. I am terrified if I'm facing Wade Miley right now. You know what? He's allowed just one hit this year. <laughs> He's allowed one hit you in know, four games. You know who else has been insane? Corbin Burns. Not many people saw saw Corbin Burns coming, but oh my goodness, the fact that he's the, the fact that he is here and to stay is ridiculous. The, oh, I completely got those stats wrong. Oh boy, oh that God. was Wade Miley's hitting stats. Well, Wade Miley has <laughs> Wade Miley has been good this year. He has he has, he's he has got a, a two four five exactly. So here, listen to Corbin Burns' numbers this year against Minnesota: six and a third, one hit, one earned, eleven strikeouts. St. Louis: six innings, one hit, nine strikeouts. The Cubs. Six innings, two hits, ten strikeouts. The Padres, six innings, four hits, ten strikeouts. First of all, he's had f- almost four uh, d- double-digit strikeout games. He's allowed one earned run the whole year. But the most shocking number, mm-hmm. he has a lot of walk. Jeez. In over 100 at-bats, uh, opposing at-bats, he has not allowed a single walk yet. Dang. The, the man has been going absolutely off. It's ridiculous. Another guy having a career year this year, Eduardo Rodriguez. Oh yeah, lowest walk rate in baseball right now, uh, at a point eight uh, walks per nine. He was also c- kind of a shock, especially after uh, he's coming, he's coming his off myocarditis. Yeah, and and, COVID. and a uh, dead arm. Like he had, yeah. he had a twenty twenty t- to forget. He did. It was bad. He did. He at, last year he led the league, or twenty nineteen. Excuse me, because he didn't pitch last year. Twenty nineteen he led the league in in walks, and this year he's he's leading the league in, in walk rate, yeah. which is awesome. He's nasty. Awesome to see. So uh, he's a great story to be following. He's also leading the league in wins, which I know doesn't mean anything as a pitcher nowadays. But still, Eduardo Rodriguez having a great bounce back year. Uh, a three five two ERA probably doesn't tell you the entire story though. No, he doesn't. So give me Erod as a great bounce back candidate, and then also JD Martinez, of course. Final guy to bring up that I, before we get into our, our our final topic of the day that that I've been, I've been kind of waiting to talk about, mm-hmm. but John Means. The Baltimore Orioles starting pitcher. Didn't he just get released? No. He just got DFA'd. No. John Means. Yeah, no. they just released some pitcher. Certainly isn't John Means. He's the only guy on the roster who made the All-Star game last year. Oh, my God. he's He's, he's got a 1-5-0 right now. Yeah, bro. John John Means has been terrific the entire year. Somebody on the Orioles year. just got DFA'd. Let me look this up on baseball um, trade rumors. Probably like Ryan Mountcastle because he, he's, he's been playing so bad as of he late. He was a rookie of the year candidate. Too. I know. <laughs> he's, he's, he's been playing so bad. Actually, I, I don't think DFA, but just, but just uh, just sent down. What do you got on there? Uh, keep going. Keep 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 saying your thing because I know that it was. Oh, on I, I'm trade just saying. Rumors. John Means has done a terrific job the whole, the whole season, especially for a team like the Orioles who have who were bottom of the barrel last year. Mm-hmm. They've come out the gate. Granted, they're not going to win anything considering they're in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox, and even and even the Blue Jays and the Rays. The, the, the AL East, because of, thanks to the Red Sox for the most part, are possibly a better division this year than the, than the NL East, their counterpart. Solely on the back that there is so much talent in in Toronto, in Tampa Bay, in New York. Well, well, despite the fact that that New York has been kind of uh, falling out a little bit, but mostly with the Red Sox. 
they've been terrific the whole year. The, the division's been on fire. Wade LeBlanc. That's who I was thinking of. Another, another soft-throwing lefty. No, uh, and a second Wade. <laughs> hmm? And another Wade. You said oh, Wade Miley Wade first. LeBlanc. Yes, I did. So Wade right. LeBlanc. He was just DFA'd. All right. <laughs> Wade LeBlanc. That, that man has been like, has been like 10 years in the league. And has been so mad I was thinking but John Means is also a guy like Wade LeBlanc and, and um John Means are both guys that barely touch ninety miles an hour that yeah. are left handers. So I apologize for getting those two guys confused. All right. Uh, but I wasn't wrong. Jack, our, our final topic of the day, and yes. I and, and I hate to talk about it because my, my biggest pet peeves are dog shows and celebrities who try and think they're good at, at sports. Jack. Yeah. Jake Paul. Here we go. Knocked out Dan Askren. Ben Askren. Ben Askren, sorry. See, I didn't even bother to watch it because I, I, I think Jake well, Paul... I'm not paying 50 bucks to watch, you know, 30 seconds of fighting. Well, first of all, I think I don't watch YouTube. I don't watch, uh, like, personalities on YouTube. I can give less of a crap about, about who Jake Paul is, mm-hmm. what he stands for. I hate him as a person. Um, I think he's greedy. I think he's uh, overrated, and, and I hate the fact that he makes millions as being a, a YouTube personality and yep. a... TikTok star and whatever he wants to be, but he knocked out what's his name, Ben, ben Askren. Askren. Thank you, Ben Askren. Yep. I I, I had the first name, the, the, the last name. <laughs> you did. So he knocked him out, and this is a, just, just simply another example of uh, celebrities who think they're good enough to be be professional uh, sports athletes. Yeah. Yep. And this is this is more a uh, a personal gripe, but in a in a sport as renowned as boxing, now, yeah, boxing hasn't been uh, on the front page since the 80s, but it's almost like, and yeah, Michael Jordan kind of did it in baseball, but he was at, he was at least decent. But like in a sport with Sonny Liston and and Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, I feel like it, it, it's ridiculous that Jake Paul is getting as much, as much attention as he is. Yeah. Solely for solely on a status, like in baseball, yeah. Tim Tebow and Michael Jordan. I think I, I, I think Tebow's uh, mission was a joke, and he was only there as a marketing grab. And I didn't like how the Mets took him in, despite him actually being sort of entertaining. Um, but like Michael Jordan was was decent. He he like yeah he hit over two hundred. He hit two hundred, but hitting two hundred as a professional basketball player is impressive. Like Tim Tebow didn't touch that, but. I, okay. I, I want your opinion on on, yeah. on on Jake Paul, the boxer. So at first I was like, he's a joke, and he deserves absolutely no attention. He deserves no clout. Uh, he's 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 fudging his way into one of the most demanding sports in the history of, sport. of sports. Now, originally, when he was doing the YouTube boxing thing, and he was fighting. Deji, KSI's younger brother, uh, you know, other other YouTube personalities. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is just a gimmick, you know, for attention. And I thought Logan Paul was doing the exact same thing. Then Jake Paul beat Nate Robinson. <laughs> now, say that that's a gripe or whatever, but Nate Robinson is a professional athlete who had a very successful NBA career, extremely athletic, 5'9", won the dunk contest, not once, but twice, beat him, and then beat a All-American professional fighter in Ben Askren. And you can say Ben Askren didn't take it seriously enough, and if he did that, then it should have been 
if he if he took it seriously, then he would have won. But that just goes to show that people think that this is a joke. And now Jake Paul needs to be taken seriously. Because it's gotten to a point where he is an undefeated professional boxer who is beating professional fighters. I don't care that Ben Askren has never boxed before. I don't care that Nate Robinson has never boxed before. Nate Robinson is a professional athlete. Ben Askren is a professional fighter who was a Big Ten champion in college at Michigan. Yeah. Jake Paul needs to be taken seriously right now. The only thing that I'll say, though, about Nate Robinson, how tall is Jake Paul? Jake Paul is, I want to say, 6'2". He's 5'10". So, no, he's not that short. According to, according to this, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, so he's, he's the same height as Nate Robinson. Which is actually interesting, because I, I thought he, actually, Logan Paul is 6'2". He's tall. No, Logan Paul's tall. He's yeah. like 6'4". I thought Jake Paul uh, was taller. And I I'm, thought he was, too. And, and I'm actually um, surprised by that, because I could have swore that the reason why he beat it, Nate Robinson was because he because he had a longer uh, um, jab. But yeah, Jake Paul five ten. I guess I, I I guess I'm off there. Look, I just don't. I, I hate like celebrities trying to get into sports that I don't think they, I don't think they belong in. And yet th- th- there's a lot of controversy about whether or not Jake Paul actually uh, did hit Ben Askren. I didn't watch the video, but yeah. I I simply don't like how celebrities think that think they could just enter a sport and be taken seriously. I, like. If he's if he's gonna fight someone big, you know what? Do it. And when he gets his ass kicked, then I, then I, then I'll see his right. See, I'll, but, I'll see his way out. But that's that's the thing. Like, if people want to shut Jake Paul up, someone's gotta have to get in the ring and fight him. I think it happened, yeah. But it until that happens, Jake Paul is just gonna continue to get better and better, and he's gonna give himself a legitimate chance to beat an actual professional boxer. So someone needs to gut in there with him right now when he's still only about two years into his career and knock him out to knock some sense into him. And until that happens, Jake Paul needs to be taken as seriously as any professional boxer in the sport right now. I hate him just as much as you do. I think he's an egotistic, stuck-up, snot-nosed punk who rose to fame on the back of his brother. And now rubs it in everyone's face. Yeah. I agree with you 100% on that. But we're at a point right now where he's beating professional athletes, knocking them out cold, and beating professional fighters in less than two minutes. Call it a dive. Call it whatever you want. But it only fuels the fire for Jake Paul to be taken more seriously in a sport that he doesn't belong in. So someone's got to get in the ring and fight him. Someone that's been been around for a long time. And that can take on a punch from a Woodland, Ohio boy. I mean, come on now. Someone's got to do it. Unless you want him to continue to get better and actually have legitimate chances at beating these guys. Do you think he has any sort of a shot against these top talent, talents? Yeah. Like a Dante Wilder or a Floyd? I think Floyd's overrated, too. I think, he, well, I think, yeah. Floyd, I think Floyd's going to get kicked Flo- in the teeth by Logan Paul. Flo- Floyd's... Uh, you mean Jake Paul. Logan. They're, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather are fighting. I think Logan Paul's gonna win. <laughs> Logan Paul, I, dude, I think Logan Paul's gonna win. I I think Floyd's a fall. Uh, it's a fallacy. Ever since he uh, beat Manny Pacquiao by de- by decision, and it was basically a, a, a hugging match. I think he's a fallacy. Logan is a he's you know he's almost he's six inches taller than him. He's got thirty pounds on Floyd. There's no way Floyd beats him. 
He's the greatest of all time, sure, but Logan's just got so much physical presence over him. You know who would be a great uh, a, a great fight to really kind of knock these guys out to, to like, be like, hey, like this isn't this isn't your sport. Who? Evander Holyfield. You Evander so? Holyfield for a long time was absolutely magnificent. He was crazy. Look, look him up. If you if you haven't seen seen Evander Holyfield in in his prime, even his son, he's a running back for uh, for Georgia. Absolutely insane. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's old though. He's fifty eight years old. I know, but no, no, no. I mean, like at his peak, like this guy was was ludicrously big. Look, this is him. That was yeah, him. No, I see. I in see, the 80s. I see him. I have him. like absolutely scary being. I would not want to fight a fight Evander Holyfield. Evander Holyfield Jr. is, as you mentioned, a running back at no. Georgia. He's actually a boxer. Evander Holyfield Jr. is a boxer. Uh, his sorry, Elijah. El- yes, Elijah. Yeah, he's a running Holyfield. back. He's actually with the Eagles. Oh yes, you're right. He's with the yeah. Eagles. Yeah, yeah. He played for uh for Georgia and was taken in the uh, was he drafted or was he a? Looks like he went to the. It looks like he might have been undrafted. I believe he, yes, he was under he, yes he was undrafted drafted in the nineteen draft. He was taken as a um, part of the squad player in Carolina. And that, now yeah, he plays for the Eagles as the third string. Uh, yeah, guy. but Listen, dude, again, he huge guys, Jake like Paul, massive size. Jake Paul needs to be taken seriously. Yep, he does. I'm sorry, everyone wants to say that he's not a real fighter. Well, he's 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 taken out real fighters. He's taken out professional athletes. You can call him fake. But until someone gets in there and actually throws a punch that he can't handle, he's got to be taken as seriously as the next fighter. I can see it. We got to wrap this up. Yes, sir. Boys and girls. We do. Last week is our last show in studio. So you need to be here 10 a.m. Monday. Oh, the Stop Fest. The last show that the Mac and Main will have in studio, at least for the foreseeable future, will be next week right here on the airwaves at 98.1 WQAQ. Folks, as always, we want to thank you for tuning in. Be sure to go follow us on Twitter at Mac and Main. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Go check out our WordPress blog, which is in our Twitter bio. And if you miss an episode of the Mac and Main Show, you can always go find them on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Shout out Anchor FM. That's going to do it for me, Jack Maine, Steve McAvoy, and as always, we will try to be better next week. Folks, have a great rest of your week. Yeah. Anything else? Steve, say something funny before we before I tune you out. Uh, you always ask me to, to, to like make jokes, and I can't. Say I, something funny. I'm not going to the spot. No. Two. No, I'm not doing it. One. I'm not okay, do- I'm, bye-bye. I do-